Welcome to the World Cup Date, the show by fans for fans. I'm your host, Boris, and today I am joined by Phil. The grind continues, ladies and gentlemen. Day four of a never-ending month. <laughs> yeah. Remember a couple years ago when we did the uh, 12 days before yep. Christmas? And we, and, and we thought it was a stupid idea. Yeah, lower decks, baby. Let's watch that. <laughs> and here we are doing 30 days of that. Ah, give or take. Boy, here, here's the worst thing about it. When we did lower decks, we watched multiple episodes and recorded multiple episodes in a couple of you know compressed days and then parsed them out. With this, we're getting live reactions daily. Yep. So it really is a commitment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not only by the listeners, but by us. Exactly. And by the fans, like everybody's in the boat. We're all watching World Cup all day while working, air quotes. <laughs> right? So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, sure. Whatever you want to call it. What a day it was, honestly. Um, you know, I think the majority of today is going to be uh, focused on the Kennedy game. Um, but, um, mm-hmm. you know, so we'll, we'll get to that as soon as we can. In fact... Let's just talk about the other games real quick, because really, outside of that, there's only one game that we that we really can talk about. But let's go chronologically: Morocco versus Croatia. Zero zero was the final score. Really, at the end of the day, there wasn't much going on in this game. Um, you know, from an analysis point of view, realistically, uh, you know, the game was closer than I thought it was going to be. Morocco is a much better team than I thought. Um, Croatia looked pretty good. Modric, old man Modric, looked great for his age. Just, just, just a wizard behind the ball. Um, but you know they essentially didn't have enough to put Morocco away, and vice versa. Hey, I'm just happy with the result because it means the group's wide open. So that means that you know other results pending. Uh, it's not a complete disaster for other teams. Um, but yeah, I, I thought that um, Croatia had this one sewn up a little bit. I thought it would be a, like a little bit of a squeaker, but uh, at the worst. But um, yeah, well, it's it's our work's cut out for us on Sunday for those of us that wear the Canadian flag. <laughs> yep, to say the least. But... You know, I the, the group is completely wide open. Like at the end of the day, right? Like there's still so yeah. much, so much football to be played. All right, let's jump to the second game, which was Germany versus Japan. Uh, Germany, the heavy favorites, even by fan vote. This one fan vote, seventy-one point seven percent Germany, in regards of who is going to win this match, and twenty-eight point three percent for Japan. So. Even from a fan's point of view, the heavy, heavy favorites. And really, like, the reality here is that Germany got, they looked a lot better in the first half, right? I don't know mm-hmm. what happened. Japan, you know, the, the the mighty giants, I guess, were sleeping or something. Uh, but, <laughs> yeah, 33rd minute, Ganda brought down room in the box with a clumsy challenge, um, you know, and then 
Gundigan stepped up, calmly got the goal on the left side. 33rd minute penalty goal. Germany up 1-0. What's crazy about this match and the Argentina match, spoiler alert, Japan wins. So what's crazy about this match and the Saudi Arabia-Argentina match is that both Argentina and Saudi Arabia only got a goal via penalty kick. Yeah, shocking similarities. And then I believe both both goals for both teams, Saudi Arabia and Japan, came in the second half. Yes, that's exactly what happened. Like, yeah, deflation, right? Like you could see Germany start to shit their pants and swim <laughs> at yep. a certain point because it was like momentum was undeniable it in was. this game. It was. Right. And it it was the momentum essentially stayed in, in uh, Germany's side up until the second half. Japan, yep. little little by little, was creeping up, and it took them until the 75th minute, 75th minute, when Doan scored for Japan after Newark can only palm, palm a small shot. Um, you know, one of Japan's subs came in to score, equalized the game to make it one-to-one. That was in the 75th minute. Yeah, I just kept on thinking Germany was going to take a shot from the box, from, you know, near the edge of the box and just squeak one in and tie it up at a certain point. I just figured that this was going to end in a draw. And again, what an achievement for Japan if that was the case. But yeah, they they just kept on pressing, man. Kept on going. Yep. Not too long after, in the 82nd minute, Asano plucked the long ball out of the air with East, ran towards the German goal, leaving their defense behind them, smashed it right from close range. Neuer had no hope on this one. Japan goes up 2-1 to one in the 82nd minute. Crazy, crazy goal, uh, highlight reel stuff. And uh, congratulations to Japan. So, yep. uh, yeah, I think Yorkie was a little bit high on Japan. Yep. Them and South Korea. So, uh, yeah, he, he called that one. So, good on him. Yep. <laughs> Honestly, but Japan, they were the plucky opponent, right? They chased balls yep. down. Uh, they caused endless problems for the German defense. Gonda's heroics, uh, you know, he was a clutch in goal. Saved Japan at the end of the day many times. And, you know, it was an overall team effort here. Yeah. And you know what? Like this, today is a perfect example of what we were talking about yesterday, too, in the hopes for the final game today, in that we got examples in the run of play today about the way I hoped Canada would play and the way I feared Canada would play. Because when we go to the next match, that's my fear. <laughs> I think this was a lot of people's fear. And I think a lot of Canadian supporters, at least some of our mutual friends, were scared shitless watching this next match. Spain, Costa Rica. Costa Rica yeah. did not show up. Spain dominated. Spain looking like the Spain of 2008 to 2012 in this match. Seven to nothing. Seven yeah. to nothing for Spain. I'm not even gonna go match or goal by goal because they won seven to nothing. That's all you need to know. Yeah, and the thing was, is it was a goal like like the score says. It's a goal parade. They worked out their kinks. They 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 did not have 
the rust that I thought was going to happen with Spain. And yeah, I'm going to have to eat my hat on those calls because yep. Spain looked to be the real deal. It's going to be interesting when they hit opponents that know how to play. So Germany and Japan are going to be very interesting watches. That's for sure. So we shall see what happens. But yeah, that was a uh, uh, three nothing at the half. And then, yeah, it just kept on going. So, yep. All right. Let's focus on the game that we were going to focus on regardless. We're from Toronto. Toronto's in Canada. We're obviously going to be talking Canada. 36 years. That's how long it's been since Canada went to the World Cup. Um, and what a game. Here's Okay. I was thinking of many ways to look at this game. And, it, it, and at the end of the day, this is, I think this is how I feel about all this. Yesterday, we were talking about this game, and we said, as long as Canada scores, that's a victory. You know, mm -hmm. a lot of people were looking at a tie as a victory. A lot of people were saying, if they put in a good effort, that's a victory. But am I crazy mm -hmm. to think that because of the performance that Canada put forth in this game, the fact that we left this game with zero points is disappointing like we faced the number two ranked team in fifa call i i call them frauds but they are still a good team right they, i just when i call yep. them frauds i essentially mean they don't deserve to be number two top 10 not, top 15 for sure but not number two but let's just say remember, this for, for, they for, were for number six, one for three years they exactly. were number one for three years for argument's sake, we took the number two team of FIFA and made them look stupid in a losing effort. Yep. And here's the thing. I'm disappointed with the fact that we lost. I would have liked to see some execution in the final third, That's especially when we're awarded a penalty and especially when there seems to be other penalties that got the review process and didn't yield it, but... We'll talk about Such that. is life, and I'm I'm sitting here and I'm thinking that the Canadian in me is very proud because we didn't get played off the pitch. We weren't but, Costa Rican. Yeah, we weren't Costa Rican. I, I liken it to this. Back years ago, TFC used to just get the crap kicked out of them, especially in CONCACAF. We'd maybe get one or two games where things were okay. But then, by and large, we just got smoked. All the time. There was one time I went down and we were playing like Cruz Azul or somebody. I forget exactly who. And it was Mexican team. And it sucked. The crowd was, the stadium was empty. It was February or March. It was cold. It was shitty. And we lost like three to two or something like that. I was super happy with that game because I felt like they freaking tried. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I felt satisfied being in the stands watching it, and I felt camaraderie with the team, and I know that they put their best effort in, and I feel kind of the same way about Canada today because the occasion, the spectacle of it, the pressure of it, all had to be playing in their head. Like, the fact that Alfonso Davies had to take that penalty, and it felt like a commercial moment to me. Like, the reason why he's taking it is because every other commercial on TV right now is Alfonso Davies. And I know for a fact that he's not our best player on that pitch and yeah. hasn't been in qualifying and has been 
dealing with injury. He should not be taking that that penalty kick. But the players decide or whatever, so so be it. But the fact that he put the ball down for an entire minute while the referee sorted the box is just the smorgasbord of emotion that must have been going through his head about the entire nation, the pressure of an entire nation leaning on that kick. I'm just glad he didn't sky it. Yep. Like, honestly, we've been there before as supporters. And this is where I'm afraid to take my heart out of that jar. But today they didn't stomp it. That's the good part. From a supporter's point of view, I agree wholeheartedly. The team made me super proud. From a fan point of view, it really sucks because the way that we dominate this game, the way that we made Mm -hmm. Belgium look stupid, it hurts. I've never seen a team lose a game by looking so damn good. Yeah. And and then to give it up so cheaply, that one mistake down the middle, like to get split open, was just like, oh, that's the ultimate insult to injury, is like that one loss of concentration for that one goal. After What did I say yesterday, though? What did I say yesterday? These are some of the issues that plagued them through qualifying. Plagued them last week in Japan. That's how Japan scored the goal against Canada in the uh, warm-up match. Right, that yeah. that's the type of thing that Canada needs to watch out for. Um, and it bit us. It it bit us, and it really sucks because we'll get to that in a second. But Germany was, or not Germany, Belgium was exhausted by that point. Yeah, they they did exactly what we had talked about yesterday. From my perspective, they moved the ball and they moved to where the ball was really well. And Belgium was chasing, and Belgium looked tired at certain points. And it was substitutions and lucky plays that led to a few chances. But, you know, that's that's why you play the game, I guess, for 90 minutes, right? What At hurt least, like, Canada yeah. big time were the forced turnovers. And what that's exactly yeah. what I said yesterday. You know, we cough up the ball way too much in the middle, and that's exactly what happened to Canada. However, at the very least, we didn't give up goals, right? But it was just one mistake that hurt us. All right, so let's kind of go through the game. In the eighth minute... Yannick Carrasco um, handled the ball in the box, given a yellow card. Canada awarded a penalty. Phil already alluded to this. Alfonso Davies, literally, as soon as the penalty was given, grabbed the ball under his arm, ran to the marker, and put the ball down 65 seconds before he went for the actual kick. And unfortunately, Alfonso Davies missed this. Not missed this, but it was saved. Uh, the Real Madrid Madrid keeper, Courtois, just read this like a book. Read Alfonso Davies like a book yeah. and stopped it. Really sucks. But let's remember, he won the Golden Glove. Uh, he won, you know, he's the best-ranked goalkeeper in the world for a reason, right? Like, this is yeah. this is what he does. There's, there is, a, a, you know, the counter-argument of there's no shame is true here. I, I think that it was incredibly brave to take the kick. So I don't want to diminish that, and I don't want to put. There's no hate towards Alfonso on no, this. It's just at all. No, it I just, just wish that we were more strategic about it. That's he, all. I just wish. Yeah, it should have been Jonathan David. It should have been hell. It should have been anyone but him taking that kick. One of our actual natural forwards. But you know what? Like you said, 
no player looked angry. It was clearly a decision that was predetermined by the team, and that was that, and shit happens, right? But unfor- the unfortunate part is that it really cost us, you know? Yeah, well, Herdman says that it's a, that decision to him belongs with the players on the field. Yeah. If you ask any other player, it belongs to the coach. They should have pre-decided this before even putting their boots on. Yeah. And that should have been coming from Herdman saying, hey, look, we get a penalty early on. We get a penalty at any point in the game. The guy who's taking it, the first guy who's taking it is Jonathan David if he's on the field. Unless he tells you otherwise, unless he tells you he's pulled something or whatever, like he's not up to it, he's too nervous or something like that. But Alfonso took it, and they, they all the players agreed that were on the field. So, and that's okay. I'm not going after them. No, I'm it. just, it's, we're just, yeah. I just want, things... I don't want people no. freaking out over social media yeah. and all this stuff on the players. I don't care about them. Um, <laughs> it's true. Hazard doing what he could, but old man Hazard looking like old man Hazard. He did have a pretty good yep. first half. Um, but, you know the the Canadians knew what was happening. They they read every play really well. Um, you know I think that they were really missing Lukaku. That's for damn sure. Canada was still keeping yeah. up the pressure big time. You know um, Davies just looking like Alfonso Davies that we saw in Concacaf. How many times did he just run into that box, deke three to four yeah. players, but that last third. That finishing effort just wasn't there for Canada. Um, I have to say, my opinion, Jonathan David just did not have the best of the games. Um, he didn't read some of the balls properly. Uh, he, you know, there was one play later on in the second half, just easy header that he headed it out. You know, he just didn't have the best game, unfortunately. But again, you know, I, I, I feel like I'm criticizing the team, but I'm not, right? It just, these are... This is the way that the game went down. Yeah, these are things that were visible, right? Like with Alfonso Davies, they started him out in a defensive role and they moved him, they shifted him over to an offensive role. So he got more and more uh, involved. I, I thought that they did a fantastic job at shutting down De Bruyne. Yeah. That was that was the guy that I was most worried about on the on that pitch from Belgium side. But, yeah, overall, like, David looked a little rusty, too. So we don't know what's going on there. But the, the players will figure it out. I think the occasion is something that got a hold of them. One other thing that I noticed a lot of, a lot more than I have in other games, is how many Canadian players were sliding and falling down without being under pressure. And I think that has to go to... Canada better be more in tune with the surface and what cleats they're wearing Mm -hmm. because the equipment manager, whoever that person is, I think maybe missed a little bit of a mark or if the players decided to wear a certain type of stud or a certain type of shoe, I think they chose poorly and that needs to be looked at as well because the surface was giving way. For a lot of people, and that was the only second, the second game on that on that pitch. I think the states played on it too. Yep. Mishi Batswai scored in the forty fourth minute. Long ball, just right down the middle, split the defense. Defense, it's like they didn't see it coming. Uh, that gave the Belgium the, the goal in the forty fourth minute. They always say that in football, the first five and the last five minutes are always the most dangerous before every half, and that's what we saw here because we do go into halftime 
with Belgium up one nothing. Um, what really sucks though is that there were at least there were two, but at least there was one other penalty opportunity for Canada. Richie Larry just taken down, stepped on hard in the first half. But what sucks yeah. is I feel like the refs didn't even want to look at it. They didn't want to give it because it's like, why are we going to award a team like two to three penalties? But here's the thing, right? If we talked about this, if you're using VAR, if you're following the rules by the book, if Belgium is dropping our players in the box, doesn't matter if it's 10 times, we should get 10 penalties. But the referees still use judgments and say, no, I don't want to, I don't want to call so many penalties. Yeah, because then it starts coming back on the refs that they were fixing game or whatever. I understand that there's a bit of a quandary, but when you're protected by VAR, then what's what's to not give it? You know what I mean? Like, because you're 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 protected by the actions of the players. It's not an interpretation at that point. You went and reviewed it and went, oh yeah, I did miss that, or I thought that it should have been the other foot, and he actually did instep and cut across and step on. Larea's foot, but as well, Larea's reputation catches up with him. What did I say right? about like him? This right? Is, yeah, his reputation like, did indeed catch up. It's unfortunate, but he's really he works hard, and I love his effort, and I love that he's on our team domestically, and we don't have to play against him because he's a pest. But man. The thing is, is that he loves to make those runs. He loves to fall in the box. And there are times where it's warranted and times where it's real. And unfortunately, there are times when it's simulated. But that's life, right? Like, you know, you run fast, you move fast, you fall fast. Yep, that's exactly it. All right, so that was the first half. The second half, it was more Canada. It was more Canada, but here's a fun stat. Canada's 14 shots in the first half, uh, the most without scoring since England made 17 shots in 2006. That's a stat that I don't want Canada to have, but hey, at least they got some shots in. (laughs) Yeah, that's exactly it. Better than no shots. (laughs) Halftime substitutes. Both halftime substitutes for Belgium were on yellow by the 56th minute. I found that Belgium in the second half played a little tougher, a little rougher. I think they were a little more frustrated that the that Canada was running circles around them. Yeah, that was definitely the game plan. They'd go out and, and get in their face. And I was I guess they, the, the strategy was not to pull the yellows, but... Unfortunately, that happened, and uh, you have to use that bit of caution and whatnot and figure out in the game what the referee's calling and what he's not. So, tough way to go about it, but I understand, like, you're trying to shut it down because you can't invite 14 more shots on goal and hope that your keeper's going to keep them all out. You got to do something. 57th minute, Kyle Lahren comes in. Top scorer during the qualification. He comes in for Junior Hoylet. Ismail Cohn replaces Atiba Hutchison. Very cool. We knew we knew this was going to happen. It was just a matter of time. Hazard gets replaced by Brighton's uh, Leonardo Trossard in the 62nd minute. Mm-hmm. Yep. All predictable. Hatiba looked better than I thought he would. 
But okay, now going forward, you know, keep on using them sparingly. I would say give the lion's share of, of minutes to Cone and uh, let's figure out, you know, like you you want Atiba on the team to be in the room more than anything and to get that satisfaction of this game and any other game you can plug him into. But let's be realistic, though, too. You know, I'm glad that they're measuring his minutes. 75th minute, I would have to say, the last 15, the both teams were tired. Belgium mm-hmm. didn't look like the number two team. Canada looked a little tired. This was the absolute opposite of a slow burn. I think that both teams just gave it their all for, for the first 75 minutes. Uh, but Canada was still really pushing, pushing, toiling for a goal. They were doing everything they could. But, the, you know, that last third, that last third was, was just we couldn't figure it out. It it was frustrating, yeah. right? Like it was really hard to watch. Our strikers just couldn't figure it out. Alfonso Davies would literally just deke it the entire team, it seemed, come in, make a pass. There were times here's here's another thing that I noticed. Was Canada mm-hmm. too unselfish at times? Yes. What? There should have been more shots. Honestly, there was times I'm yelling at the at the guy at the key in the box, like Osario even later in the substitution, that type of thing. And I'm like, shoot, don't pass, shoot. Because they're passing it into feet. The feet turn around, it gets deflection. Now it's, you know what I mean? Like now there's no shot on goal. You can't score if there's no shots. Mm -hmm. So when you're in these prime pieces of real estate, even if you just make the keeper just do the, the handling of the ball and to catch it and whatnot, for every instance like that, there is a possibility they drop it or they have to palm it out or do whatever, right? Like, and even look at Alfonso Davies, like penalty kick. He could have had that ball. You know what I mean? Like it, the rebound came to him yep. and then his touch was, was poor. And I understand why his touch was poor, yeah, for right? Sure. But, but I'm just saying there was an off chance that somebody in white could have gotten that ball and yep. just pluck it into the net. I right? thought like, that was going to happen when it went straight to Alfonso Davies. Yeah. But he just did it. He wasn't able to handle that first touch. He it was like shocked it came right back to him. Yeah. And I just would have loved to see a little more aggression by Canada in those key spots. And uh, that's all the way through the game, but it especially became apparent later in the game. And as well, I got to say, Miller's uh, service was lackluster yep. from the corners. I just found like his overshots and his under underserves. We're just like, you know what? I, I get the occasions big and everything, but, you know, you've been in for five minutes now. Like, we need to we need to get proper service here and at least put some pressure on these guys. Because yep. putting it out in the back of the net is just not a good look. No, exactly. So that was the game, essentially. You know who the player official player of the match was? Oh, De Bruyne. How? Even he said, how, I don't know how I got this. Like, he had the quietest game you could have ever seen for a guy in his role and responsibility and his his influence. So I'm confused by that. All right. Roberto Martinez, the Belgian manager, he admitted that Canada was the better team. Um, he said that Canada had grit and his team had to grind for a win. Here's a direct quote. When a team can win without playing well, it's a lot to build on. And it's true. It means that you have the building blocks at the very least, right? Now let's compare Mm. this to something that John Herdman said. And I quote, 
proud of the performance, but you need to take three points in your first game. We had the opportunity to be top of the group tonight. That was the mission, but we missed it. Good. I'm glad he's taking a little bit of a hard line. Yeah, he has to. He has to. We're a whole bunch of softies here. Yeah, well, He has to. Like, realistically, yep. this was their game to lose, and they lost it. They, yep. Canada, lost this game. Belgium didn't win. Canada lost this game. Yeah, that's a good way of looking at it. And that's what I, I mean, I right? Like, that's, that's how I'm seeing this. Like, it just sucks because if Belgium won one nothing, but they were running circles around us and we were huffing and puffing the way that the U.S. did back in 2014. Remember that mm-hmm. game in the, in the yep. knockout stages? If we yep. looked like the U.S. did back then, I would have been fine with this result. But we had them. We dominated for at least, realistically, 70 minutes of this game. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I Believe me, I was very content with the whole idea that we are showing up. And that's where I'm choosing to put my glass half full. But equally valid is the glass half empty here that you're pointing out. Nope. And that is a very good point. Like, I, I don't... I, I, I think the two coexist in the same world and it's all a matter of how we want to frame it but i think most i I will say that most canadian supporters are going to take your outlook on it and and feel that way because let's face it the canadian supporters aren't stupid i think the canadian supporters right now tonight they're seeing it your way well i think i think it's i think when i think it's easy yeah i think it's easy to put the the lipstick on the pig which is the angle I'm playing here. But I think really, like, just even from the few interactions that I've seen or participated in on Twitter so far, is people feel disappointed. Yeah. Because there was an opportunity. Yes, they can be happy that we didn't get played off the field, but that's that's our own fear. The fact is, is that by showing up the way that they did and not getting the three points... Now it puts pressure on the team. Yep. And now, now we've got a variable. On. If we yeah. look at the group, you know, the group is Belgium with three points, Morocco, Croatia with one point, Canada with zero points, two games to go. At this point, I want Belgium to get the nine points, right? Like, yeah, that's, yeah. Now, this is, the, this is what gets to me, and this is what I was hoping to avoid. Number one, we're not winning this group. Number two, we have to expect other results to help us go through. Yep. Yep, 100%. Our destiny isn't fully in our hands, but at the end of the day, the next two games are vital for us to win. First off, Sunday against Croatia. So, Phil, let's play this game real quick. What do you do the next game? Do you make any changes to the lineup? What, if you're John Herdman, what do you tell the team what do you what changes do you make to the lineup if any uh the only ones that i would maybe do are i would not put Lorea in the guy who subbed for him i would put him in forget his name now how bad am i uh but number two hutchison i wouldn't start him i would use him as a sub and i would put cone in to start those are the two because Lorea to me is a super sub. 
If you put him on in the 75th minute on, he's going to overwhelm defenses with speed and draw that penalty. And as well, uh, you establish a stay-at-home safe left back to make sure to mitigate the back line. And then as well, the referees not seeing the theatrics the whole time. So that when the, the game is in the moment and Larea comes on and goes flying in, cuts in on the wing in the box and gets taken down, then that's a no hesitation penalty or card or whatever. Like there's there's free kick, whatever they want to call it as. Whatever mm-hmm. bullcrap FIFA pulls up. So those would be things that I would do. But again, I'm used to TFC using Larea in that way. We've seen it, you know, both ways. But, um, you know, I've I seen them use them in that way. Against Croatia, I feel like we need Larea's toughness. Oh, that's a good point, though, too. That's the one thing where I'm a little worried. And actually, I would for sure start Cone in and ahead of Hutchison. I would use Hutchison as a super sub for the simple fact that we are facing Croatia, and I feel that he could benefit from fresh legs in the last third of the game. Yeah, like he Hutchison seems like the kind of guy that's going to, well, I know what kind of guy he is, yeah. but it seems like he would play a great role as he always has. If you're bringing him in late, he's going to poach a goal or get a header. Yeah, he's kind of like you know what I mean for for TFC list uh, supporter listeners. It's the uh, you know the same role that um, oh my god uh, Ricketts played. Yeah, till Saint. Yep, super sub. Always. Yeah, and you can you, know, you can guarantee a goal when he came in almost. Well, that's what I mean about Larea because I like his energy and that's what it reminds me of. But as well, I liked using Osorio late in the game too maybe bring him in a little bit earlier like they used him in this game today i think just to get an idea of his fitness uh, game shape fitness but the problem that we have right now with a lot of these players is they haven't played a lot unfortunately with tfc larea screwed himself out of the last game and has been sitting since late september uh osario has been injured with a chronic issue for the majority of the second half of the season, yep. to be honest. And I don't know how much of this is players, like rusty players running on adrenaline and how much of it, you know, like it makes me worry about using them. And I guess that's why I'm saying keep on using them as subs because I am concerned about their their ability to deliver on a consistent basis or their ability not to make mental mistakes yeah. due to the rust. Agreed. Agreed. That's, you know, the, the lack of play is really hurting us and it's showing, in my opinion. But overall, again, great match. We took it to the number two ranked team in FIFA. Yes, I still think they're frauds, but I will put some respect <laughs> to the fact that they are number two ranked. I think that they're at least top 10, but not number two. Yeah, that's fair. But, you know, any anything at this point, though, all the teams are good. That's that's be, one exactly. one of my biggest takeaways right now is like everybody's good. So what's happening and, and and I had this conversation with someone earlier and that's the top teams of the world are the top teams of the world. They can only get worse. Then you have teams like, you know, the Middle Eastern teams, CONCACAF teams who are just getting better at a quicker rate than ever. 
So that gap between the best and the worst in the World Cup is getting smaller and smaller. That's why you're seeing Saudi Arabia beat Argentina. That's why you're seeing Japan beat Germany. That's why you're seeing Canada put the, the boots to Belgium but just fall short because of luck, right? Yep. It's true. Like the fact that, especially in North America, the fact that we have a domestic league, the fact that we have feeder leagues now, yep. the sport has grown leaps and bounds since 94. The fact that Canada has its own league-ish. Yeah. Like, these are all very, very positive things. We know that Mexico's figured this out in La, La Liga or the MX teams, Liga MX. Uh, they've all started to figure out that uh, MLS is no joke. And this is the world going on notice. I'm not saying we're the best in the world. I'm just saying we can play the game, too. That's all I'm saying. And today was further evidence of that, that everyone who supports the MLS and, and all of these other leagues that have struggled in the past, that have seemingly gotten these just buy-ins due to regional allotment, are getting better, man. And the game's, the game's catching. The yep. game's catching on. So... I'm excited for the future of the sport. I'm excited, uh, you know, to see where we go as a country in this tournament. And I'm also long-term excited to see FIFA clean up its house. I hope that that's possible, but that's just a political statement on the side. Yep. Um, what was I going to say? Let's quickly go through tomorrow's games. I don't know how much I'm going to watch tomorrow. I'm not sure if I'm going to host the episode. We'll talk offline. But let's go through the games tomorrow. First game, Switzerland, Cameroon. Oh, Switzerland, Cameroon. Oh. Switzerland. Oh, well, Cameroon. Those you African know, just, teams are a little pesky, right? Those like African teams are pretty good sometimes, yeah. Uh, I'll mix it up and go against my bracket picks. I'll even say Cameroon just for fun. Boom, there you go. Uruguay versus South Korea. Oh, I hope South Korea. Same. I really do. Same. But I, I think Uruguay might edge them, but yeah. we'll see. Portugal, Ghana. I'm going to go Ghana just because of where I live in Toronto. Fair. Fair. Uh, I'm going to say, oh, that's a tough group. Um. I want Portugal to lose, but I think Portugal have this one. Yep. I, I my heart knows it's going to be Portugal. Sorry, my brain knows it's going to be Portugal, but my heart <laughs> just doesn't yep. want that. And then the main event, Brazil versus Serbia. I think Bra I think Serbia are going to put up a fight. I think Brazil's going to win, but I think it'll be a closer game than we think. I think it's going to be like today's game against uh, uh Belgium. Yeah. Like I think I think uh, Serbia is going to have a little more kick in their step if oh, you know what i mean i do i gotta ask you I think, the most I think important question 2-1 brazil all right the most 2-1 brazil okay locked in 2-1 brazil now for the most important question of this show what's for dinner oh god i don't know <laughs> i i i actually my stomach got the nervous stomach oh yeah that's how uh, i feel after the first half i was just like Oh, I need to, and then I went down and made like a nice prosciutto sandwich. Nice. How, what you put, do you use? Do you use mayo or do you use butter or do you use like what? Do, what do you use? 
oh, I use a nice multi-grain brown bread mm-hmm. that's super soft. Oh, nice. And then, and then I put on white cheddar cheese and then mayo. I layer on my, my meats, and I also have some hot Italian salami. Oh. I cut it all up into bite-sized chunks so it's not me tearing at it. Then I top it with mustard and hot pickle sauce. Nice. And then I sandwich the, the top piece on. So it's it's a I think about my sandwiches way too much. And I have to custom order from Heartbeat Hot Sauce, the pickle sauce. That's made in Thunder Bay, Ontario. And I get it over Amazon. It's $13 bottle and squeeze bottle. And it's awesome. It so just gives you no what's mess. This called? Like, what's this called? Heartbeat Hot Sauce. Heartbeat Hot Sauce. Thunder Bay, Ontario. We love you. I'm going to edit that we do. to that and see what we can do. <laughs> I'm telling you, man, they are the best. And yeah, they've been on Hot One Seasons. They are just squeeze bottle hot sauces. It's nice. just amazing. Nice. So, yeah. Um, I don't know. what I'm gonna, Maybe fajitas. Fajitas might be on the menu for tonight. Oh, man. Your jackets always smell after fajitas. I know. <laughs> Trust me. I hate it. I they're, they're okay. So I used to Onions. live in a bachelor apartment, right? And I hated yeah. cooking because that's my biggest pet peeve is sh- like my stuff smelling after cooking. Yep. Oh yeah. It's like Kelsey's used to put on those fajita nights, mm. and you'd go in with your jacket on. You put it on the back of your chair or whatever, and then the next day you smell your jacket and you're like, "Oh shit, what did I do?" Yeah. <laughs> like it's horrible, but it tasted so damn good. Exactly. <laughs> All right, Phil, that is another day. We are done match day four. We are moving in on to match day five tomorrow, November the 24th. Happy Thanksgiving to our American listeners. Be yes. safe because you just, you just never know. Enjoy your day. Enjoy your uh, meals. Enjoy whatever it is you do, however you celebrate it. Whichever football you're going to be watching Enjoy your day. Hopefully, everyone stays safe. Phil, thank you. We'll chat soon. And everyone else, stay tranquilo. Infinitesimal.